Welcome to Fumpale Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altador, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self-love, and so much more. I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. With me, your virtual girlfriend. Welcome back to another episode of Fun Palais Podcast. And today for story time, we have a special guest with us. We have Laura. Laura helps people overcome the devastation of betrayal and confidently engage in life again. Rather, that betrayal is from an intimate partner, their body, life, or the realization that they've betrayed themselves. She's a former attorney, podcast host, and best-selling author of Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Laura, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I appreciate you being a guest. So if you can add on to some of the things that I said about you, who you are, what you do, and anything else in additional. And what really caught my attention is when I saw a former attorney. I have to see how you left that life and entered into the life that you've been in. And I say that because, you know, most people think attorneys, six figures, seven figures. Why would you leave that lifestyle? Yeah. Oh, there, there's there's so much there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to law school because I really had a passion for pursuing justice, whether it was equal access to justice or fully representing, um, especially women, you know, who historically have suppressed themselves have sacrificed themselves, who have been willing to bite their tongue and say, that's okay, they didn't really mean that, that's okay, I can handle it. And I really wanted to create a change. After practicing for 10 years, I kind of came to the realization though, that the change wasn't happening there in court with me. If I really wanted to create change, I had to back it up. And I had to reach women before they got in these legal situations before it had gotten, you know, this far. Because at this point, we were just fighting. And we were just creating a somewhat just result. But people weren't changing their behaviors. And even though I really did enjoy my career, um, I had some sexual harassment happen. And I can talk about that later. But overall, I really did enjoy my career. I, when I had my second baby, I decided that it was the perfect time to make a change. And I became a kind of quasi stay-at-home mom entrepreneur all at the same time. And it worked out very well for me, but my husband was also an attorney. So he was working full-time and was very busy. And that's when I started just exploring what are some of the modalities that are out there that could actually help me help women create change early on. 
So I went back to school. I became a certified hypnotherapist. I learned some different forms of energy work. I used some of the somatic stuff, the fitness, the dance. And I just started really experimenting with how, how can I reach these women? How can I reach them now before they get into trouble so they won't need a lawyer down the road? So that's how that original shift out of being a lawyer happened. Gotcha. And what field? Is that the correct question? Were you in? Legal field? Yeah. Yeah. I started off doing some family. I was a guardian okay. ad litem for uh, juveniles, which is an okay. attorney appointed typically by the court who represents the best interest of kids in okay. uh, domestic or juvenile situations. Okay. And then I ended up going corporate and I was in-house for um, a major insurance company. Got it. Got it. Now, yeah. I'm intrigued also. Do you miss it or do you do like, what do they call volunteer work right now? Yeah, Is that yeah, the correct pro bono. Term? Pro bono. There we go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yes and no. I love research. I okay. miss the research. I miss discussing and like, you know, talking about would this case apply? Would this case apply? I miss the intellectual part of it. The last few years I was practicing, though, um, and this is kind of a trend with, I think, our whole country, people were just getting increasingly more hostile and gotcha. argumentative. And when I first started, I could represent one client, somebody else could represent another client. We could still talk. We could mm -hmm. still be friends. It seemed like my last few years in practice, people were getting so personal and mm. just being so mean, and they were ending up with these, all these personal attacks. And I thought, this is no way I want to live my life. It's making me where I come home and I'm just grouchy because I've been attacked all day. And I don't want to be in a profession like that. We can be on different sides and talk. We can represent different clients and still like each other. So I don't miss that. <laughs> okay. Very interesting to hear because you know, there's a lot of affluent professions out there, lawyers being one of them, that is very much flaunted doctors and lawyers are at the top of the list and followed by engineers, architects, all these fall, I feel like into this, this is an affluent job you need to have. This is the great job to have. And I'm not saying it's a good thing that you're saying it, but I respect your honesty that you're letting people know, listen, I did this. I loved it. It happened. This is a great part of my life, but that season is over and there are pros and cons to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that little brief uh, introduction for because I like that. I mean, when I saw that when you contact me, I was like attorney. And what is she doing here? Right, <laughs> she wants what? to be on my show. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, my gosh, I hope she doesn't ask me any legal questions that I don't know. This is what literally went through my mind. I was like, Jesus, she I hope she doesn't like try to get me legally. <laughs> <laughs> but um let me review your contracts because <laughs> when i sent that release form i was like oh. literally i'm telling you and i'm telling you this now laura because it's just so crazy how sometimes people don't realize what's happening on the other end when i press that send button i was like she's a lawyer she asked me any questions <laughs> i don't know if i'm even going to be equipped to answer them <laughs> So funny. So funny. <laughs> but you didn't. You made me feel very relaxed from day one. So that's a good, good. thing. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> 
All right, my dear. So we're going to begin with your story and wherever you would like to start off and, you know, enlighten us and where you are now and how your life has changed and everything. So the mic is yours. All right. I'm going to kind of start with a bang. Like I said, I left the corporate world and I did part time staying at home, supporting my husband, raising my kids, taking care of the animals, the house, the food, the everything. Part time entrepreneur. And, you know, it might sound luxurious and easy, but it's not because it's really having two full time jobs. And for anyone who has spent any time at home, it's really hard. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, for anyone who's been an entrepreneur, that's really hard, too. Mm -hmm. So I really did sacrifice a lot for those years. I really had a lot, a lot on my plate, and I really smiled through a lot of pain. The whole time, I was looking forward to my kids going away to college. Mm -hmm. Because my husband traveled a lot for his job, and he got to go to all these great places and have meals out. And I really felt like I'm kind of put upon here. I'm at here, driving the ship, holding down the fort, doing all of that. And I can't wait for my kids to be a little bit older so I can start having fun. Mm -hmm. I can start traveling. I can really lean into my career because I do like working. I just didn't have, you know, the time to do all of that. Mm -hmm. So right before, and I thought we had a great marriage. We met in law school. Um, we've had a lot of similar interests. We've had a heck of a lot of fun together. Right before my youngest graduated from college, literally when I was about to be free, I found out that my husband had been cheating on me for 15 of our 23 years with multiple women. That he had never been faithful. And it destroyed me on so many levels because my self-worth, my self-confidence. What what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. If I, I'm doing everything I can to be perfect, to mm -hmm. you know, have the perfect home, do everything perfectly with the kids, to create this business, to help us out financially. Who out there is so much better than me and what is wrong with me? It destroyed me because all of these memories of what I thought we were working towards, mm -hmm. happy, you know, holidays, birthdays, vacations, all of this fun we'd have, is none of that real? Mm -hmm. How can I be so stupid that I never noticed this? And five women, like, are you kidding? How can I not know this? Mm -hmm. So it completely destroyed me. In addition to that, the day that we found out there was a fight over getting his phone because I had found some messages, he stepped mm -hmm. on my foot and broke my toe. I process move through movement too. You know, I dance, I do fitness. So all of a sudden I have a broken toe. I'm in this complete emotional crisis. I can't move or walk to get anything out. And the whole thing, I don't know if it was happenstance, but then I went into menopause. Oh. <laughs> I started having hot flashes and all of this. So literally my world imploded. And I didn't know how I was going to get through because all of my coping mechanisms like moving were suddenly gone. Yeah. To make it matters worse, my business was around female empowerment and you know not letting anybody steal your joy. And I'm thinking, you're kidding me, right? Who's going to believe me now? 
how am I ever going to go forward with this brand about sparkle and joy and using burlesque to flaunt your sexy self when my husband's been cheating on me and I was too stupid to notice? Long and the short is it took a long time to move through that. My husband originally left Mm -hmm. and was pulling all that. This is your fault. It's because you're so stupid. If you hadn't have done this, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. I'm not sure what the change was, but a couple months in, he came to the house and he said, I am a horrible person. None of this was you. I've got a lot of problems and I don't even know where to start. But I just need you to know this isn't your fault. This was all me. And it was like, oh, thank you, because as a lawyer, I feel like I need to figure out the root cause of things. I need to understand why. If I can understand Mm -hmm. why, I can accept just about anything. Mm -hmm. But it's when I didn't understand why that it drove me crazy. So from there, (laughs) we were each doing individual counseling and coaching. We did marriage counseling. We did a marriage recovery retreat. We did a whole lot of stuff and really started understanding the reason why. And I really can today say that I understand why. And I'll go into that a little bit later. But what it also caused me to see was how so many things in my life were a betrayal. And until I had been betrayed by my Mm -hmm. spouse, I didn't really understand Mm -hmm. why it was a betrayal. And then suddenly I could see why these problems that I had had before weren't getting solved because I was thinking they were things like burnout. It wasn't burnout. It was betrayal. I was Mm -hmm. thinking it was things like I said, the sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. That's a betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. My, My big, my big issue, I guess, is my first case as a student attorney. Mm -hmm. I represented some clients in a repossession matter Mm -hmm. and I won the case Mm -hmm. and I shouldn't have won the case, but I did some amazing research and I put Mm -hmm. it together and I was right and I did win the case. The judge called me into his office and he's like, if you want to be taken seriously, I would wear my hair up and I would not be wearing skirts and showing those legs. Oh. And he said, do you know? Oh, yeah. And he said, do you know who your opposing counsel was? He is a well-respected white male attorney. How dare you do that to him? How dare I do my job? How dare I outlawyer him? Are you kidding? So this is really happening behind the scenes. I mean, you hear about that stuff, but you are a victim of it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I mean, this was in the 90s, but it wasn't in the 50s. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 90s is still pretty. That's right around the corner. Day. Yeah. Yes. That was just like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. Okay. And the thing is, for listeners out there who are hearing it, you know, you might be thinking, I would take him on. That wouldn't happen. Blah, blah. That's mm-hmm. how I thought, too. But the reality is, in the moment, You don't think you're wrong, you're sexist. You think, what is wrong with me? And mind you, you're a student lawyer, A-L-W-Y-E-R. You're not like someone in a a low-key position. 
you're a student lawyer. And even yeah. you yourself, you're saying at that moment, you're not thinking. Nope. No. You're in a panic that you've done something wrong. And the judge is this ultimate personal person of authority. You know, judges can ruin your career. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got home and I was upset and, you know, thinking, I, why am I here? I don't deserve to be here. I never want to practice law again. I never want to open myself up like that. It took me a while to realize, but Laura, you did win the case. Mm -hmm. And then it takes another while for you to realize that was really wrong of him, not me. Yes. And then you go through this whole thing of how do I report that? Because I am a student attorney. I could ruin my career before it even starts. Yes. Who's going to believe me? Exactly. And this is what, this is the world that we live in. And at the end of the day, who are you going to tell? Because there's so many things you have to rationalize here. I'm a student lawyer, as you said. So am I going to go, what is, who, what is the name of the person you report to, like a supervisor or something? Yes. Okay. So do you report this to your supervisor? And how seriously is your supervisor going to take you? And you most likely are going to have to see this judge again. Do I ruin this man's life, who is probably a pr very prestigious person, and would you have to now leave town, go to another town to practice because of the situation that you're going to be creating? Yeah. And who wants that reputation at the day one of their career? That is a very difficult question. Me not being on the other side and I'm hearing your story, but unless I, it's happening to me, I don't understand because no. I didn't directly go through it, but I can only imagine. And that goes to say too, I feel like it's along the lines of sexual harassment that happens at work. You know, the company, the corporate companies will have you take all these classes and, you know, sexual harassment is not okay and is not allowed at work. Please report it. It's so much easier said than done. Yes. Yes. Because I, you know, again, I'm going to law school to fight for justice. Mm -hmm. This is my wheelhouse. I'm going to take people on. And then it happens to you when you go, ah. You can't even and represent that yourself, Laura. Yes. Yes. And then the self-doubt, what was I wearing? What did I do? Is my hair wrong? Oh, my gosh. What kind of an image did I portray? And that self-doubt followed you as we listened to the rest of your story. You even made a comment, my husband cheated on me. So how am I am supposed to continue this empowerment business? Because people's going to think I'm a, I'm a fluke. I'm a flunk. I'm like, why should any totally. woman listen to what I have to say? My husband's been right. cheating on me for 15 years. So that self-doubt just continued. Yes. Yes. And it's one of those things that so often I didn't even realize it was there but it colored the way I responded. It colored mm -hmm. the choices that I made. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And until, until I had the word betrayal based mm -hmm. on the infidelity, I didn't really understand all of those other ways that I had been betrayed. Yeah. All of those ways that I had betrayed myself when I would bite my tongue and not rock the boat, just let it go. You know, and even I say often that I was betrayed by a society that told me I could do it all and have it all because we can't. At what cost? 
I was betrayed, you know, by the patriarchy, by the beauty industry that tells me you can't age, you have to be this size, you have to be this shape, you have to have this many eyelashes. There's these betrayals that happen all the time and we internalize those betrayals. Living in this world is extremely hard. That's what I realized. Society, yeah. you have to know what information to take in that's healthy for you because you know information is coming out from everywhere everyone has something to say but there is some information that you take in that's not always so great to take in and especially when you're at the lowest point in your life um i cheated on my husband my husband cheated on me so i know now I can comment and I know the feelings you were going through. Girl, every emotion that there is to have, I went through. I went through depression. I went through sadness. I went through a moment of happiness. I went through the moment of denial. I went through a stage of angry. You ever watch Investigation Discovery or Snapped? For a brief moment, Laura, I can totally understand how somebody can literally snap and lose sight of it fucking all. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. For a brief damn moment. <laughs> I mean, before that time, I could not understand. How could someone no. do that? Oh, it. I Let immediately understood how you can do mm -hmm. something that you never thought you would do. Yeah. So I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. Now, the question that I have for you is, did you have any idea within those 15 years? And did you just bury the thought? That is such a great question because it's something that I have looked back on. Mm -hmm. In the moment, I didn't have any idea. None, 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 none. When I look back, there's some things that I think, there's some things that I can see, but they still wouldn't tip me off. Gotcha. Because he was, he was really good. <laughs> he was really good. I was really trusting. Um, all of the, like he would go on a business trip mm -hmm. and have a one night stand with somebody. Mm -hmm. I never had an, a, a reason to believe. I never had, you know, he was on a business trip. I just, mm -hmm. I never thought about it. Also, for the most part, we had a really good relationship. Now, here's... Here's what I understand now that I didn't know then. I did not understand trauma. I don't think most people understand trauma. Mm -hmm. I think trauma is something that all, most people in our society have, and I wish we had a better understanding of it. I had a very good, quote unquote, normal, uneventful childhood. Mm -hmm. He was in foster care. He was in pretty severe poverty. He was emotionally abused. He was physically abused. He had a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. We met in law school where he had put a lot of that trauma behind him mm -hmm. without processing it. So I think we're just two normal people having a normal relationship and everything is fine. I don't understand attachment issues. Mm. Why would I? That's me. I have that <laughs> yeah. problem. Yeah. So here's one of an example that really personifies our whole marriage. Things would get stressful. We have two kids. There's a lot of stuff going on. Life is stressful. He would get up early and be pissed off and he would leave for work without making coffee, without letting the dog out, without waking me up. And I would wake up and I would think, whoa, 
he's gone. My thought would go, story in my head was, this poor man, he is working so hard. He has got to be so stressed out that he didn't even connect with us, let the dog out, make coffee. I am not going to call him and bug him. You know, little wife at home doesn't need to call him this poor man. I'm just going to leave him be, let him do his stuff. Well, the story in his head was just the opposite. The story in his head was, I am out of here. She dissed me last night. I am so sick of this. If she loves me, she's going to be calling me today. Mm. So you guys were doing total opposite of what was expected of each other. Yeah. He wanted you. He wanted to feel, even though you're telling us this man was providing for his family, but he needed a different type of need. And you weren't giving him that. Right. And we're not even talking sexual here. We're talking emotional. Emotional. Because he wanted you to call him. Yes. So then because of his childhood, because of, you know, being in foster care and his mom and the abuse, it would start spiraling down for him. She's going to leave. She is going to leave. She's going to take the kids. She's going to take the animals. I'm going to lose everything. I have got to start getting some backup. Am I? He was balding. He was starting to gain a little weight. He mm-hmm. was getting insecure about his body. So was I, but you know. It's different for men. It, it's totally different. So he'd be like, I gotta, I've gotta get out there. I've gotta get some validation. So he'd reach out to, you know, friends from high school who were single. He'd find people on business trips. So it was like this desperate, I gotta get a backup. I've gotta get a backup because she's gonna leave and I'm gonna be out. And I'm not gonna be the one who falls. I'm not gonna be the one who's hurt by this. She can't hurt me. You know, it's interesting that you say validation because um, this is Shirley's opinion. This is not tested, proven facts. But I do feel that when men cheat, in my honest opinion, majority of the men don't cheat because they don't love their wife. That's for me, I don't really feel as though that's the issue. I, I realize they cheat because for that season of their life, for what is going on, that other person is giving them the validation that we don't realize that we stop giving them. Because you're saying validation when I cheated, and but we both were saying, and especially hubby, he was telling me, I didn't feel as though I was needed. Verbally, he wanted to hear that. And I wasn't telling him. And when you talk about attachments as a child, I was doing the same unhealthy thing my mother was doing to my father, verbally, constantly telling my father, I don't need you. You can leave yep. now. Yep. What I didn't want to do, what I saw her doing, I realized subconsciously this was happening and I didn't even realize it was happening, Laura. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? And to layer on top of that, and again, this is maybe unfairly classifying all men, but many men, many women too, but many men don't understand their emotions Mm -hmm. and they're not used to talking about how they feel and what they need and blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that came out, you know, at our counseling and in our recovery, exactly what you said. My husband was always saying, I had my feelings hurt. 
you were so capable, you were so strong, you had this taken care of, you had this taken care of, and it hurt my feelings. But not once, not ever did he say, you're hurting my feelings. They don't speak like us. They don't. And we don't realize that till we're older. Our relationship, how old were you when you met your husband? We met at, oh gosh, 22. So that's young. I was yeah. 15, 16. So you were older than me. But at that age, relationships are not taught in school, Laura. No. Every new relationship you get into is a new experience. So that new person that you're starting, it's a whole new experience. You guys have to now learn each other. Do you ever really have the proper tools when you're that young to cultivate a healthy relationship? You don't. Nope. I didn't even know what a love language was at 15 and 16. Maybe at 22, you probably did. Right. But I had no idea at 15 and 16 what a love language was, what healthy boundaries were. 15 and 16, my daughter's 14. She has no idea how to have yeah. a healthy, good relationship. So I'm looking back like, yeah, I was dumb. We were dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... So the next question I have for you, you said your youngest child was out of yes. college. Now, granted, my children were smaller. And I will tell you, out of my infidelity, a child came into play. So our children were smaller. We shared it to them in a way for them to understand. Your children are bigger. They have a little more understanding of what infidelity is what dad did, how it's going to make mom feel. How did they embrace this information? How did you tell them? And the first question is after, so two questions, that question. And then the other question is, how did you find out? How did that day happen? Like go take us through that day of you finding out this man has been cheating for 15 years. Okay. Do you want me to do that or the kid piece first? Or Whichever do you, you want to do first. Okay. Let's do the finding out first. Um, they call it D-Day, Disclosure Day. And I had multiple. This was such a house of cards <laughs> that fell down. First thing that happened was, yeah, first thing that happened was I had his phone okay. talking to my mom. And a Facebook message came in. And when it when I got off the phone with her, I looked down and it was this woman that I knew. And I'm like, that's strange that she's messaging him. So I just clicked on it because it's a friend that we know. Exactly. Right? So when I thought, and then I saw some texts there. And I st as I started scrolling through, I saw way more flirty texts and way, you know, and pictures. So that was the first one. So then I'm on heightened alert and I'm thinking, this is really, this is strange. About, I went on a business trip. I came back. I got a letter in the mail, a card from somebody that there, it wasn't signed with a naked picture of him. And I'm like, <laughs> who is this and what's going on? What? Wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that was the second time. So with a text, he's like, we're just we're just flirting. You flirt too. 
you know, you're, uh, yes, I did flirt very, you know, inappropriately. Absolutely. So I was kind of like, okay. But then when I got this naked picture, I'm like, oh, and it was, it was really, it was, it was porn. <laughs> and I'm like, this, this, I don't even know how to process this. What did he say, girl? You know, it was funny because I actually laughed when I got the mail. I opened it up and I laughed and I'm like, what are you doing? Because I was thinking, did he like maybe try to send this to me? Is this supposed to be like some sexy thing that you're like yeah. telling me? Like, is this an invitation for something? Right. And I'm like, what are you doing? And oh my God, look at this picture. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then he's whipping this card out of my hands and then I'm reading it. And it's like, oh, this isn't from you. This is from somebody else. Well, then he's doing this. I don't know where it came from. And I'm saying, well, you, who, so how many people do you send this picture to if you don't know where it came from? Whereas penis hanging out? Oh, yeah. Oh, and he tried to claim he did. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> right, right. But then I'm thinking, if I sent a naked picture of myself, I would know who I sent it to. Mm -hmm. And if I'm saying, I don't know where it came from, what does this mean? So we figured it out, finally figured that out. Then he started calling like multiple, again, friend women. Did you send this? Did you send this? And I'm thinking, if they sent it, that means he had to send the picture to them. This The, the dots are not connecting here. Laura, are you, hold up, girl. This man right. tried to get out of this situation by making phone calls. And right. Trying, instead of at this point not saying to himself, I am caught. Let me just let it all out. The mind right. went to, I need to defend myself and try right. to continue this lie. Right. Right. It's crazy. So, yeah, after that got figured out... <laughs> And again, this is my son's senior year. He's a musician. There's banquets, there's concerts, there's, he's an honor society, there's the, you know, academic lettering ceremony. I mean, you have kids, you know how it is like that whole May. Everything happens in May. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to just keep it normal, da, 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 da. Well, then I go to his phone and I start scrolling and I see some other inappropriate stuff from again friends so we go to counseling he's still not admitting to this finally and this sounds crazy but i've got a friend who is um an intuitive mm -hmm. and i called her and i said without telling you anything i know about three are there more and she said i hate to tell you this but there are two more and I went to him and I said, I know there are at least two more. And he said, no, there's not. And I said, actually, I went to our friend who's the intuitive and she confirms that there are at least two more. And he literally put his head down and he's like, there are exactly two more. And I'll give you all the information on that. And he did. So at that point, we're up to, yeah, th those two. And I said, I still want to follow through with some of this stuff that I found on your phone. Can I have access to your email? And he gave me access to his email. And I started going through deleted items. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found an email 
from 15 years prior. That he had saved? What the hell? (laughs) So weird. He's like, I have deleted... I have deleted my deleted items. It wasn't archived. It was in the deleted folder. He's like, I don't know how this got here. It was but it was literally to find. Thank you. Yes, it was because it was like the la- the email from the very first time he cheated. And it was like, how is that still in there? What happened when you found that email? Because now you're going back 15 years. You've been married 23 of the 15, probably dated longer oh. than that. How long did you guys date yeah. before marriage? Um, we were friends for a year and we dated three years. So four years yeah. before marriage. So we're talking about almost what? Close to 30 years now you've known this man and yeah, <laughs> that's a long time. It was a long time. But, you know, I did read a statistic that said, Laura, normal affairs, typically like a minimum affair, will last at least five years, if not more. Interesting. Yeah. That's minimum. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what we were saying a little bit earlier, some of the reasons why most of the women were one night stands. Um. One woman was the secretary of our financial planner. Isn't that nice? Mm. <laughs> um, and that, again, that, only, that happened once, okay. but there was a lot of flirting. Mm-hmm. The long-term affair was really interesting because they were only together seven times in those 15 years. Mm. And what he says in talking about that validation and just men and communication the first time they were intimate he said it was one of those things where he literally was flashing back to all the things that he didn't have growing up in foster care growing up growing up in poverty being couldn't couldn't have that and he said that first time was like damn it i'm taking it i have never had stuff for me i am gonna do this for me it is finally my turn and screw everybody else and then he kind of realized he was trapped after that and was had that oh shit moment mm-hmm. and then it was like every you know couple of years when he would be, be back home he would and I'm not placing him in the victim role. I, I, I'm not doing that. But I do have an understanding. I don't have sympathy, but I have an understanding mm-hmm. that she would be there again and it would be kind of expected and that it was never like that great of an intimate experience. So he would always have this thought, I'm going to really do it to her great mm-hmm. and I'm going to show her what a, you know the man I am and then I can burn her and walk away. Mm-hmm. And it would never be that. It would always be poor performance, too much drinking, Mm. bad night. And he would think, I got to, I'll redeem myself next time. A few years would go by, he'd go back home, same situation. I'm going to redeem myself this time. And it just would never work. This girl was in his hometown. Yeah. Or this woman, I should say, was in his hometown. Okay. He did a lot of business travel in the hometown or he deviated plans? He would go back and visit his foster family. 
Oh, without yeah. Laura and the children? Yes. Got it. We went a few times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we'd, we'd go back a few times, but then there'd be times where he'd say, I'm going to go back and fish, you know, with my guy friends. I'm going to go back and golf with my guy friends. Um, his foster mom passed from cancer, so he would go back several times and, you know, go to the hospital and see her at the end. Um, you know, so there were times where it'd be like, well, I, I can't pull the kids out of school and somebody's got to stay home. Exactly. And I want to use what you said as an example, because women who have a very naive brain, and it, and this is no disrespect, ladies, that was me at one, po at one point before I went through what I went through. And when you listen to Laura's story, there was nothing that was so out of the ordinary for this woman to act out of character or for her to think that her husband was having an affair. Never. You know, because a lot of times, which was the first question I did ask you, but especially someone who has not been in that situation, how did you not know? And I know many of your female friends may have asked, how did you not know? Because I know I had that question asked to me often. How did you not know? There are times where you just don't know, and it doesn't have to do with women intuition, but if the person who is committing the infidelity is making sure their T's are crossed and their I's are dotted and they're on their P's and Q's and they're not slipping up, there's no way of you knowing. And really, truly, that person, what I've learned over the years, is not my goddamn responsibility. No. No. <laughs> no. This is the thing. Your husband was not your... Like, you had, you had Laura you had to take care of. You had the children you had to tend to. Other things on your plate. This man said, I'm going to see my mom, going to be with the family. Right. What, what Are you really supposed to say, well, are you going to fuck anybody while you're there? Right. <laughs> right. And the thing is, too, like that, we'd call, you know, we talked every night. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, that's the example. Like, you just don't know at times. You do not know. No. And here's another dynamic that we haven't even gone into, and we could do this for another six hours, but <laughs> <laughs> I grew up dancing. I mm -hmm. love dance. You know, I mentioned dancing and moving is how I process, and it's just a part of me. Mm -hmm. At 44, I started dancing burlesque, mm -hmm. and burlesque, you take your clothes off. You're not naked, but you take clothes off. Mm -hmm. It's a tease, it's a flirt, it's a caricature, it pokes fun of the status quo, it reveals real women and real bodies, real shapes, real sizes, and it's a performance art. And it's, a, it's an amazing performance art. Real burlesque is amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's elegant, and it's funny, and I'm a great dancer, mm -hmm. and I started dancing burlesque professionally. Mm -hmm. Which meant I would travel sometimes, too, for festivals and shows. And again, when I'm gone, we would check in every night. But I wasn't, I wasn't cheating. I was performing. I was dancing. I was doing my own thing. But that created also in him this level of threat. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's in better shape than I am. Mm -hmm. She's out there on stage getting semi-naked and dancing. 
What is she doing that I'm not doing? So in his mind, and it's just so interesting how the stories in each of our minds, you know, like when I said he'd leave for work and I'd be like, poor guy. And he'd be like, she's got to call me. You know, the story in our brains too are totally different. And, you know, talking about it afterwards, he'd think, well, there she's out there doing all of this and acting totally normal. And here I am out here doing this and acting totally normal. But I mean, the reality was his cheating started 10 years before I ever started burlesque. Exactly. But it's, you know, this is why communication is important. When hubby and I went to therapy, one first thing my therapist said, you guys need to make an effort to try to do 15 minutes a day average. And it doesn't have to be 15 minutes. You may only have five or 10, but this is why communication is important. Tell your partner how you feel. Another person that I interviewed, one of my guests, she made a good point and she said, you know, one thing that helped me when I was talking to my husband and I do it now, I'll start off and say, all right, honey, you know what? I'm feeling a little strange, but the story in my head is that I feel as though you're out there doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You're in great shape and the guys are drooling all over you. And I like how she said it, the story in my head, because Laura, you are right. It is the story in our head. Our mind is processing and I feel like we're going in flight or fight mode in that mind and saying we got to put our barriers up we got to put our barriers up because we don't know what's happening we don't know what's happening and we need to be ready for the unknown (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) this is what's happening in the mind yeah it totally is and was I was I naive totally naive but I kind of had the extreme, naive, great childhood. And mm-hmm. I was always safe. I was always secure. Like, it didn't even cross my mind to question somebody. I was busy. I was taking care of me, the house, the kids, the animals, the cars, the yard, the you name it. Mm-hmm. Why would I take care of you, too? We're a complement <laughs> of each other. Yeah. That's, that's it. We're a complement of each other. Yeah. I trust that what you tell me is truly what you're telling me and you mean it. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you like so much to say. I know. (laughs) And and like that, I would tell him everything because I thought we were best friends. I thought we were, you know, lovers, spouses. I thought we were all of that. So when I would go out with a girlfriend to lunch and there'd be a cute waiter or something, I'd be like, we have the hottest waiter. You know, and at one point my kids had this young pediatrician who was adorable and he'd always wear these really tight jeans. And I'd be like, I got to go to the pediatrician. He's hot. You know, so I would talk like that because that's me, because that's normal. And I'm That's how I feel. He was a hot pediatrician. He just was. But then my husband would take that as, ooh, she's telling me something. She's telling me that he's hot and that I'm not. She's telling me that she wants him. She's telling, she's giving me a clue that she's going to leave. She's trying to let me down easy. You discovered all this when you guys started going to therapy, correct? When did you discover When did I discover what? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You discovered how he felt when you guys started to go to therapy, right? Yes. That's when all this started to come out. So the whole time, and they always try to say, 
men, um, women were so insecure, were so insecure, were so insecure. But your husband was so insecure the whole entire time for a very long yes. time. I'm not going to say the whole entire time. Let me take that back. But for a very long time and as sensitive, as, as simple and as innocent as those words were being said, I'm going to go see the hot pediatrician, honey. The kids have a doctor's appointment today. And your yeah. husband is completely processing that information differently. It's interesting yes. how the mind works. This man yes. is literally thinking, hmm, she's going to see the hot pediatrician. And on Friday night, I'll be fucking someone. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it would be more like, I better find someone to fuck. Yeah. Because she's going to be out of here. And I got to protect myself. Very interesting to hear. And of course, you know, hubby can't share his feelings, but I can only, like, it, it, I know, I know what your husband was going through because I know oh, what totally. mine said to me, even though I thought I was the whole package and I'm here. What's the problem? No, you're not here because mm -hmm. I'm emo we're emotionally disconnected. Mm -hmm. So now for the other question, how did the kids take this or wait what happened okay so you found that email that went back 15 years start yes. from there okay it was a little bit of a shit show <laughs> because <laughs> i found that email he stepped on my foot my toe was broken yeah i'm in pain what i went and did this is so crazy i was teaching a fitness class right after that I was like on the floor, sobbing, vomiting, totally upset. He grabbed his stuff and he left. My mind goes into responsibility mode. I've got a class to teach in 20 minutes. I got to pull this together and go teach. Wham! I pull myself together. I go teach on a broken foot, a step aerobics class at the rec center. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. I come home. I call him. I said, the kids get home from school that with oldest was at college, but I was like, my youngest gets home from school, you know, at three o'clock or whatever. You just moved your stuff. What do I say? He said, I already told the kids. And I said, what did you tell them? And who? He said, both, everything. I thought that meant everything. So again, because I'm flying, I'm flying into action person. I call my parents. I'm like, this is what's going on. All these women, blah, blah, blah. You told uh, you mom know, and I, dad? I just, right oh, away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Because the kids, the kids are really close to my parents. Oh. And I thought they're going to be the first person, people that they call. Oh. And I don't want my parents blindsided, you know, or, or, or not listening to them and saying, oh, I'm sure you've got it wrong. So I call them first and I'm like, this is what's going on. You know, the kids get off in an hour. I don't know if, you know, has anybody called you, but this is what's happening. I got to go take care of things. Bye. Click. Youngest comes home. I said, I, I've heard you talk to dad. Um, do, uh, you know, what do you, what do you, do you have questions? What do we need to figure out? And he said, yeah, I do have some questions. Tell me the story. And I just blah, told the story. This has been going on. These are the five women that da, 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 da. Is the youngest a boy? He, both of them are boys. Oh, both of them are boys. He said, dad didn't tell me all that. And I'm like. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What did, did dad just say your mom and I are separating? I have.
have no idea exactly what he said. Um, but it was something, it was something like, so I had some indiscretions and I think I'm going to have to leave for a while. I mean, it was like something so different from what my brain interprets. I told them everything. Oh, shit. So the kids didn't oh, yeah. know about the infidelity. The parents didn't find out till you now told them. So now you're just putting all the business out there because your husband's trying to be disclosed about this. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, well, we got to tell your brother, too, because, I, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing. I didn't want all this conjecture going on. What? Were they, was it hard? Yes, it was really hard for them to take. Here's why it wasn't as bad as it could have been. My husband traveled all the time. We were used to just being me and the kids at home. Mm. Me and the kids, me and the kids, me and the kids. My oldest came back from school. We hung out. It was just normal. He had his friends come over. Um, you know, they each talked to some friends about it. My parents were there. It was kind of business as usual because we were so used to functioning without him. Yeah. He was very fairly emotionally disconnected as a father for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. um, because he was so severely mentally and physically abused, he was not comfortable engaging in parenting. Mm. I'm very comfortable engaging in parenting. So kind of the whole deal was you handle it, you handle it, you handle it. Mm -hmm. I was the primary parent. The kids were used to me being the primary parent. They, 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 they liked him and all, but they weren't super emotionally engaged. So that made it a little bit easier on them. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Now they both, I did say, you've got, you guys each have to go talk to our counselor. This is, there's a lot of impact. Then fairly quickly is when my husband had this whole change of, this is my problem. I'm do, I've got to deal with my demons. Mm -hmm. Once we opened that box, mm -hmm. he was incredibly and still is incredibly emotionally connected. Um, talking to the kids. This is what I did wrong. This is, you know, the fear I had. This is what, this is what abuse does to the brain. This is what trauma does to the brain. He started talking about his childhood to them, to the abuse, his fears, and he's become very emotionally intelligent. And they have, for the first time, developed a relationship. They didn't never really had a relationship before, and now they do. And I really appreciate it because the boys each have girlfriends now, and he talks to them about this is a vulnerability. This would have, you know, terrified me. Share your emotions. Talk to her. Cry. And the kids have become, I think, way more emotionally intuitive and mature and able to connect instead of just being like, yeah, dude, it's fine. I got it. It's fine. I love that. I love that because this is a prime example of every negative situation can be turned into a positive. And this is good. He's letting the boys know this because boys are always told to be so tough, Laura, and to not show any emotions and you shouldn't cry. You should be strong. Don't be seen as weak. So that's good that he's speaking to his boys about this because yeah. They're, of course, they're going to have their own relationships and their own situations that they go through. But hearing this from their father and knowing, you know, our mom and dad had the little issues 
that they went through, but look how they were able to get past it. Yes. And this is important for kids to see. Life is yes. not perfect. And I hate when parents try to act like it is and create this perfect fucking bubble. It's just not. Yes. Every family situation and dynamic is different. Granted, in your situation, the boys were older, but that's when you found out was when they were older. What would have right. happened if the boys were younger and you found out? How would this situation has transpired then? Oh, you know, we have talked about that because it would not have had the same ending at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I was so strung out <laughs> trying to do, and not only did I have two kids at home, they both had some sensory integration issues mm -hmm. and it was really hard. You know, mm -hmm. I was taking him to therapy all the time. I was doing everything for everyone. I was trying to run a business. I was, it was really hard. I wouldn't have had the emotional capacity at that time to handle one more thing. Mm -hmm. I truly would have just been like, you're out of here. I hate you. You know, screw you. I'm going to take you for all I can, <laughs> for all you're worth. Mm -hmm. And I'm protecting me. I would have been in a very different state of mind. It would have been very protective towards myself, towards the kids. Co-parenting would have been a nightmare. I would not have been, I would not have been able to handle it well then at all. Not that I was able to, not that anybody can ever handle it well, but at least it was a place, point in time where I had some mental runway to deal with something. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, uh-uh, I was barely hanging on as it was. Um, when you found out, you credit the fact that you think you were wiser. I feel like age does bring wisdom. Life should make you more smarter and intelligent if that's the appropriate word as you get older you should not be thinking how you were thinking when you were 20 because if you're 40 yes. and still have the same mindset of a 20 year old then you're not doing something right here so you do right. credit that that life made you realize things differently yeah oh yeah how did your friends and family take it now we're gonna fast forward now you and hubby were able to work things out. And I applaud that. I love when people can figure out how to get through the negative tough times. Because to me, that's what you call a real relationship. Because don't show me this perfect picture. Because it's nowhere near perfect. And every relationship goes through their own problems. Rather, it's infidelity. Rather, it's financial. Rather, it's physical abuse. Rather, it's emotional abuse. There's so many different things people go through in their relationship. But when you can get over that tough hill and climb over and be able to walk down the path holding hands together, I feel like that's such a blessing. You know? Yeah. Because no one's perfect in this world. Nope. nope. And healing starts with yourself. But how did your family take the information? And then we want, I want to talk about your book and burlesque and how has this changed your business and your mindset? Because when you found out, you felt as though you weren't going to be empowering to women. And how do you yeah. use your situation 
to enlighten women. So I know I'm always like asking a whole bunch of stuff, Laura. I'm sorry. I know you're like, girl, no, that's good. You're coming with these questions. <laughs> so I guess we'll start off first. How did the family and friends take this? Because I know they were probably like, Laura, you need to leave. You need to leave them. You need to leave them. I, and they're probably still to this day, jaw open, like she stayed. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, okay, first of all, it's interesting because even though, and I will say this, statistics show most relationships have infidelity from one or both partners. Yeah, they just, they just do. And although I didn't cheat, I thought about it. I thought about it because there were times where he was so distant from me and I'd be like, I need a partner. I need a friend. I need. So let me tell you what crossed my mind. And I get that. So it was really interesting when you're telling it to people and you don't know, have they been cheated on or have they cheated? People's reactions are just weird. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants, there's this stigma around it, even though it happens to everybody. Yes, it does. <laughs> there's this weird stigma and people don't know how to respond. And they're like, oh, what do you think about that? <laughs> and you're right. A lot of people were like, leave him, leave him, leave him. Fortunately, um, my friends were all very supportive of me. My family was very supportive of me. As... As soon as he started opening up and communicating, mm -hmm. he too started communicating with friends and family. Good. Yeah. And fairly early on, they could see, oh, Sean's a different person. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> he, he's crying and telling us this story. There's something going on here. So for the most part, most people kind of took the journey along with me. Now, that's not said that I still have a few friends who are like, I have a tough time and I don't want to be around him. And that's fine because, again, I don't know their personal relationship. And I, I'm very aware that's triggering something painful in them. Yes. And it's not about me and it's not about Sean and it's not about our relationship. And I respect that. That's good. And that's, you know what, that's good that they can be honest with you. And you may not be able to understand my decision and process it, but... All I'm asking you to do is be respectful of it. And if respectful means keeping me at a distance and our friendship has to change, I'll take that. Fine. Yeah, yeah. that is. That is fine. Yeah. And one thing you said is people don't like talking about it. I feel like infidelity is up there with death. People don't like talking about death because in your mind, you want to believe that you are going to be with someone forever. So we are not going to talk about it. We are not going to discuss finances or what we need to do when that day comes or if it happens unexpectedly. We are not going to talk about infidelity. I talked about a podcast about what is the harm of having that conversation with your husband? Honey, would you cheat on me? And if you did, right. how would we process this? And would you yeah. tell me? You won't have these conversations. We don't have them until the D word you use, the discovery, until everything is now discovered. And that's when you want to talk about it, when your emotions are literally haywire like this. Yeah. And that's not when the conversation needs to be had. Nope. Well, that's good to hear. And I'm glad that you and hubby, I know people are like, what the fuck? I'm glad that you and your husband are together because you're speaking to a host who experienced something very similar. So I get that road that you went down on. And I applaud um, couples that are able 
to strive and get through it. Not saying this is everyone's story. Remember, everyone's story is different, guys. You do what is best for you. Laura did what is best for her and her husband. I did what was best for me and my husband. You have to figure out what's best for you. And if walking away is what's best, then that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yes. I love you said that. And and for for us, for our healing, my focus was on me. Mm-hmm. I was not focused on saving the marriage or helping you. I'm focused on me. Mm-hmm. I've got some significant pain. I got to get this stuff figured out. My focus is on me and his focus was on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've got childhood trauma. I've got, you know, significant problems in my life and I got to focus on me. And when we talked about that, um, you know, first of all, I couldn't have changed him and make him want to change the marriage and he couldn't have changed me and made me. I mean, that bleh, we're just done with all of that. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> right. But when he moved back in and we were each doing, you know, counseling and coaching and all of that stuff, that was our agreement was if if we end up back together, fine. And if we don't end up back together, fine, let's still be honest and, you know, facilitate healing for each other in whatever way we can. But it's not about staying together. It's about each being fully whole and each being fully healed. And a relationship is a great testing ground. And now I know everything about you and you know everything (laughs) about me in ways that we didn't even know. I like that. A relationship is a testing ground. I like how you said that because it is. Yeah, it is. A definite testing ground. Definite testing ground. And you will be challenged at times. So A lot. A lot. So now we're going to segue into your book. What was the motivation behind that? I started writing this book, I think, 10 years before it was written. And yeah, and as a lawyer, I have to document things, right? (laughs) (laughs) And like I said, back at the beginning, my motive, motive was like, you know, creating change in people. And so I would start working with clients and I would write down, this is what I used and this is how it helped them. And this is what happened and da, 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 da. And these are my five steps, FLAUNT is an acronym. You know, let's see how it works for other people. So I would just kind of start documenting and writing stories. And then I'd think, oh, this is perfect. Well, um, you know, it'll become a book one day. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I think that last year where I was like, dang, this this is a book. This isn't just my notes and stories, this is a book. Now, did your situation in your life inspired you even more to finish it? Or was the book already done by the time you found out? The, that was part of the whole shit show of the time, too. I had just gotten my book contract oh, and had a year. Yes. Oh, yes. Mm. Menopause, broken foot, book contract, business, kids going to college. Let's oh, just do it all in a year. Oh, my gosh. That year was tough. But either way, everything ended up being successful. Book was launched. Book was launched. Now, how did you get into burlesque and why? I know you gave us a brief snippet. You did dance when you were in college or in high school as well. I I danced my whole life. Okay. In yeah, I, I think I started dancing at four. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I danced, you know, ballet. I did the Nutcracker growing up, and oh. high school and college, I was a pom pom dancer. I just love dancing, and I've always taught fitness. Again, like I process through movement, and I'm, I'm energetic, and it just makes my body feel good to move. So, as a lawyer, I kind of gave it up, 
Then as a mom, you don't have time to do that. You can't send your kids in daycare. My husband was traveling all the time. How, you know, when is the gym or the daycare at the club open? I mean, it was really hard to do. So I would teach when my kids were in school, just teach fitness to move. Well, one day one of my friends said her daughter was taking pole dance classes. Mm. And I was like, oh, I used to love playing on the bars at recess. What is pole dance? Playing at the bars at recess. Oh, your innocent mind, Laura. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> I found a coupon because, again, you know, finances are an issue when you're a stay-at-home mom part-time. Mm -hmm. Found a coupon for like three pole dancing classes and I took it and I loved it. I mean, I was in my body, the strength, the power. It was so much fun. Loved the studio, but it was really hard to work it around my schedule again because I'm the kind of a single mom really because mm -hmm. my husband's traveling all the time. The only class that was available that I could get down there and take was a burlesque class. Oh. And I thought, I have no idea what burlesque is, but I'm going to do it. I loved it. Within a month, one of my friends in the class said, there's an audition for a burlesque troupe. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, nope. A burlesque nope, troupe? Nope, nope. T-R-O-O-P? Yeah, T-R-O-U-P-E. Yes. What's that mean? Um, Like a, a traveling performance group. Oh. Yeah. There's such a thing? So I'm like, nope. Yeah. It's a big thing. Oh. It's, yeah, you were probably like yeah. your lawyer might. Nope, I am not putting myself nope. out there no, like not, that. <laughs> nope, not doing that. Can't travel. Nope, no, no, no. But I'll go with you. Well, I made it. I made the troupe, and then we were supposed to dance in Las Vegas, and it was like, uh. I mean, that was a hard one because it was like, there's this huge part of me that's like, who gets the chance to go dance in Las Vegas? Are you kidding? Of course I want to. And then there's this part of me that's like, oh my God, go to Las I Vegas and do dance. That. I can't do that. Were your parents close by that they were able to watch the kids? Okay, so that yes. wasn't an issue. It was just more the label that burlesque gets. Because when I think of burlesque, immediately I immediately go to sexual. Now you, yes. is it just bra and panties that are on or is it a certain attire that you wear underneath? Um, it, it can, it can be a lot of different things. Traditionally, it's like pasties, oh, okay. a corset, okay. you know, panties, <clears throat> stockings, garter belt, you know, things like that. I've seen it on a show. I forgot what the show is called. It was back then and they were interviewing a burlesque dancer and that's pretty much yeah. kind of what she had on. Very sexy. It wasn't anything. Yeah, like it is very, very, sexy. very sexy. Okay. So now what happened? You ended up having to go dance in Vegas. What happens after there? It, it just took off from there. I loved it. I loved the people. I loved the art form. I started performing on my own. I started performing locally. I started traveling around to the different festivals and troops. And it was like this is incredibly empowering. And this is what I wanted to kind of bring in to my coaching because I was doing a lot of female empowerment coaching. So I would help people own their sexuality because there's a fear around that. And that's why the title of my book is, you know, reveal your smart, sexy and spiritual self. There's not a stereotypical woman out there who is completely brilliant, who owns her sexuality and who has this amazing spiritual connection.
You're either sexy and you're easy and you're sleazy. Mm -hmm. You're either smart and you're frumpy or you're this weird woo-woo spiritual person. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're all way more than that. And the fact that other people are afraid of our sexuality shouldn't be our issue. We should be able to lean into that. I can be very sexy. I can be very beautiful. And I can be monogamous, a mother, a lawyer, and still pray. You're right. And I like how you broke it down to those three categories because you're right. That's how women are seen within those three categories. But you're absolutely right. You can intertwine all three. And let me hear how you combine this into your business, burlesque and tapping into their sexuality. Because most women, number one, do not like talking about sex. It makes them very uncomfortable. Sex is not something you talk about. You're a lady. You're not supposed to do that. Right along with cursing. But my mouth can be a sailor as much as I fucking want and please. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> you know, how do you intertwine the both? Because even in sex, my opinion is sex is very important in your relationship. Along with everything else oh, that yeah. you have to deal with, that's very important. And women, I feel at times we don't realize that um we have a lot of boundaries set for our significant others i'm going to say because may most people may not be married or whatever we have a lot of boundaries set for our significant others i know a lot of women who refuse to do fellatio they won't do it okay all right then and i'm looking for a guest who doesn't choose to do it let me put that out there but yeah, I've heard this too many times. There was a killer, and I'm sorry to go way off topic. I love to watch Investigation no, Discovery, and there was a killer. I forgot to, I forgot his name and who he was, but he was on Investigation Discovery. When they interviewed him, he says one of the reasons why he slept with all the prostitutes was because my wife did not want to perform fellatio on me, so I went out and I got it. And then when he was done, he killed them. Oh my god! I forgot his name, but he's 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 known. Like if I was to tell you, you'd be like, "Oh, right. I heard about him." Saying, oh yeah, yeah, that's but him. Yes. So I'm glad that you tap into this because this is important. Sex is important, ladies. It's very important mm -hmm. in your relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's so much around it and how I use it. First of all, we all know the power of clothing. Mm -hmm. We all play dress up when we were little. We all put on our power suit when we want to feel good. We know how different clothing makes us feel. We understand play. We need to understand play a little bit more as an adult. And burlesque is humorous. It's an extravaganza. It makes fun of things. You can play with your boa and be silly. So you're not really being sexy. Mm -hmm. So it makes it easier to get there because you're acting out a role and you're playing. Corsets, fishnets, all of that stuff, they make you feel good. You're with other women. We're all laughing. You can see everybody's body. That That's, I think, one of the most important things about it. We look at women in the media mm -hmm. and they're size two and they all look the exact same way and that's not real. And when you are doing a burlesque class or a pole class, my kind of burlesque and pole classes, you see women all ages, mm -hmm. all sizes, all abilities. And I'm sorry, but women are beautiful. They are. 
and you see, I don't care what size you are or what your belly looks like or your stretch marks, and you see women playing around and you're like, damn, they're beautiful. And then it gives you permission too. And you're like, I'm beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is great. Look at my stretch marks. They're amazing. Look at my fat jiggle. That looks hot. <laughs> And we don't have room to play like that. We're all so stuffy. Oh my God, I have jiggle. My boobs are sagging. That's awful. No, it's not. Look at what you can do with them. It's glorious. Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. We don't feel sexy a lot, especially after having children. As we age, we talk about ourselves a lot. But you're right. A corset will change a lot of things. I wear... Um, under my uniform, I wear thigh highs. Girl, Ooh. thigh highs. I'm never going back to fucking stockings ever again, Laura. Nope. I love me some thigh highs. And every now and then yes. I will send a picture of me sitting on that jump seat and snap a picture of my thigh highs and send it to him. Thigh highs is super sexy. So fishnet I do like, but girl, I love me some thigh highs. Thigh highs. I do too. Will really, don't matter your size, will change your whole look. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So many things will. Yes. I mean, you know, a good bra, a pretty bra, all of that. Mm -hmm. And even, I mean, this might sound silly, but just standing in the mirror and shaking and just seeing your glorious flesh move, it's pretty. Yes. It's really pretty. Women are pretty. Yeah. We are a beautiful species. Beautiful species. Yeah. So now, yeah. what word of advice? And you have a few. I want you to tap into two. Before you give the word of advice, how were you able to get over? I remember the first thing you said, how am I supposed to empower these women? And now look at my situation. How were you able to get over that stump? That ties right into my word of advice. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I said earlier, flaunt is an acronym. Mm -hmm. And the center of flaunt is AU. And that's the atomic symbol for gold. Mm -hmm. And it stands for accept unconditionally. And that is where the gold really is. Mm -hmm. In getting over anything, you've got to accept it unconditionally. You've got to accept, you know, we were just talking about our bodies. Once we accept ourselves unconditionally, Nobody can use that against us Absolutely. because we accept Absolutely. it. Once I talk about the infidelity, I talk about, you know, my wandering eye, my insecurities, my vulnerability, you can't use it against me because I fully accept mm -hmm. it. Now, if I fake it and say I'm okay with that, and then you're saying things, yeah, I do get weird and funky, it's all in that unconditional acceptance. And that's what really helped me is who do... Why do I think I have to be perfect? Oh my God, what is my hang up that I can only coach people if I'm perfect? Mm -hmm. Heck no. I went through this. It's not my fault. Even if it was my fault, we make mistakes. Who really cares? This is going to make me more human because now I'm not like sitting on my little throne saying, my life is perfect and I've never been cheated on and I've never been hurt, but I hope you feel better. All you have to do is smile and put on a, a boa. You'll feel great. Once I truly accepted my situation that it was the shit show that it was and it can be the catalyst for a lot of growth or I can just go cover and hide. It was like, mm, I'm going to use this for as a catalyst for growth. 
I'm going to do my damnedest to accept it all unconditionally and to learn from there because it's only from that place of truth that we can grow. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the biggest problems in the whole self-help industry. Nobody wants to admit where they are. I mean, how many times just even in fitness, I'm not going to go take a fitness class until I lose a little weight first. Really? Really? <laughs> and just like you said with, you know, with marriage, we're not going to talk about infidelity. What, we're going to wait for it to happen and then we'll figure it out? You've got to accept where you're at. If you're unhappy, you've got to say it. You've got to communicate it to your partner. You've got to communicate it, you know, to your boss, to your employees, to your friends, to your parents, to whoever it is. You've got to be where you're at and you've got to accept where you're at. Otherwise, you're just going to do, do all this stuff to change. But you're not going to create change because your geolocation pin is in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So the directions that you've been given will all be wrong, flat out wrong. Absolutely. You have to accept yourself, Laura. You're absolutely right. You have to accept yourself. That is so important. And I mean, you've given us quite a few nuggets today. Number one, to start off, a lot of people sometimes when they come on as guests, they go from tragedy or trauma to triumph. You know, Laura, you admit my childhood was fine. I didn't have any of those issues. Grew up, yep. went to law school, practiced law for 10 years, married, had children. Everything was fine until 20, uh, you know, 23 years in the marriage. Then you find this information yeah. out, you know, and this woman was a lawyer. It, infidelity does not discriminate people. Nope. It doesn't. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your nope. skin complexion is. It doesn't matter what your sex is. It doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter what how much money you do make or don't make. If it's coming for you, it is coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. It was a great lesson. It, it, you know, <laughs> life is a lesson. Life is a yeah. lesson. Life is an extreme lesson and your story is going to be very touching for some people. There might be a lawyer out there. Your story is going to be touching in a few different ways because there might be a lawyer out there that maybe have an idea of wanting to change their profession, but maybe society's making them feel, no, you can't leave your job as a lawyer to go do anything less. What are you going to be a doctor? Because you know how it is. Right. Or. Yeah. Op open your own practice. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. When I went back to school, my, my hypnosis degree was basically an associate's degree. And people were laughing at me. They're like, you have a Juris Doctorate and now you're getting an associate's? Like, yeah. yeah. And that <laughs> yeah, is okay. <laughs> Taking ownership of your truth, like you said, Laura, that is okay. Yeah. So if you think yeah. about changing your profession, don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to do it. And if you're going through anything in your relationship, take ownership of it. Things happen. You have to figure out what is best for you. As Laura said, she wasn't focused on, I need to save my marriage. Her focus was on herself because that's where it all starts with yourself. So Laura, as we end today's episode, I want to again, thank you for being a guest. We had a awesome conversation and all her information will be available on the website for you guys to check out this beautiful woman, this gem. You guys can't see her face, but I can. 
And this was an amazing conversation to have with you. So again, I want to thank you. Many thank yous for being a guest. And as always, guys, thank you for listening. And as we always end, to love yourself, wish yourself, and be yourself. Until the next episode, have a great one. Thanks for tuning in to Fampale Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week.